0: Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast. Um, my name is Chris, I am your host and if you're sat there scratching your chin going I'm sure I heard from this lot a few days ago, only a few days ago, you'd be absolutely right. But we're um, we're trying to sort of change up our schedules a little bit and hoping to bring you kind of an earlier week uh, podcast moving forwards schedules allowing of course so uh, this is week one of that said new schedule so hopefully you enjoyed the, uh, the little episode that Jez and I managed to rustle up for your weekend entertainment and uh, weekend entertainment is what we had in Liga lots and lots of goals so you have got plenty to get into I will need guests of course to do that with and uh, I've got Jez once again and I've got Phil making a return good evening to you both good evening hey Good stuff right let's get into it then i've uh, got a couple of games we want to focus on you probably know which ones they might be but we are just going to run down the results as well as uh, as well as that uh, process as well so let's start with the results and uh, Friday night saw the games get underway as Strasbourg uh, lost at home to Marseille. Uh, a goal worthy of winning any game from Morgan Sanson. Nice volley in the 72nd minute was the only goal of the game. Um, it would be fair to say that Strasbourg and indeed their players were not best pleased at not getting a penalty in this game. Um, I noticed at least three of their players were um, uh, emojiing it up on Instagram, tweeting replays of the foul. On I was it Simican or was it I can't actually remember who it was now who was chopped down but um, a very clumsy challenge from Jordan Amavi which wasn't punished despite going to VAR. Bit of a weird one that, but nevertheless Strasbourg uh, came out with defeat and um, Marseille. Yeah, be fair to say it wasn't the most entertaining game in the world. I have to uh, be honest, I think. We'll go I, into Optus, this.
1: And we'll... Optus said it, they were the first team to win in Liga with only one shot in a game since ever.
0: Yeah, and of course, Strasbourg had
1: nine shots. I mean, they are in a sense, it shows that they are bad, as well as uh, whatever you say about Marseille,
2: unfortunately. I assume we'll go into more detail, but yeah, um, I mean, on this as a sort of bigger general trend, but one shot in two matches across four or five days is is pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, I missed the first half of this match and then at half time um one of Lekip's main journalists said I I can't do this anymore. I'm switching <laughs> off. So I think if, if he's not watching, then I'm certainly not going to.
0: Yeah. I, I did that thing of like sort of tuning in just in the vague, because you know, you get those games that you just think, oh, I can miss that. And they're always the games that turn out to be really exciting and thrilling. Yep. And, yep. Thank
1: you. That you was know. my weekend.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Well, that, that's kind of why I thought I was like, oh, I won't bother watching, you know, certain games. But I looked at this one. I thought, well, oh, Friday night, it's not much else to do. Why not? And, uh, yeah it, it was um it was not the best watch it's one of those where you're sort of doing something else in the background but um that's kind of Marseille really at the moment doing things in the background and just winning games without really being noticed but, uh speaking of winning games though um phil your at your orange men um on on saturday they got a tuna win at bordeaux uh flan mole with the opener and andy delor um, I thought the second goal was really good. The technique to control the pass, the build-up and the slot finish was really, really good. Um, Montpellier were a lot better than Bordeaux who were, once again, horrid. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, a good win.
1: I think uh, there was a, a video going around, I think, of um, all of Teji uh touches in the build-up to that goal and it was it was lovely. But I think, yeah, Bordeaux, something of an issue and... Patton Ben Arfa did some of his uh, sort of back-to-basics slaloming solo runs, which some people were taking the piss out of, you know, oh, he's trying to do everything himself. I'm not sure he's got much option. Uh, He had five of their nine shots um, and was, I thought he was very good, but everybody around him was kind of core. Uh, the Montpellier defence, now that some of the suspensions have started to lift, looked a bit more solid. Looks like hopefully the form is coming back. Don't want to get too um, positive about that and get another three men sent off after the international break. But um, yeah, it was a good it was a good result. It was a positive play and it looked a lot more uh cohesive than it has done over the last couple of games. so hopefully if they can get everybody back off off the naughty step and the injury list it will be it will be okay.
0: Yeah, felt felt like they turned a bit of a corner, and and uh, team like Bordeaux is, is probably the team everyone wants to play at the moment because they just looked hopelessly out of form and uh, and uh, only heading in one direction at the moment. And um, yeah, Montpellier got the goals when they when they were on top. It was a bit of a damp affair as well in in Bordeaux, but uh, nevertheless a good win for Montpellier. PSG also got a fairly routine victory, being ran by three goals to nil that evening. Uh, Moise Ken... And uh, Ankel Di Maria with another double. Where on earth would they be without him? I do not know. But uh, yeah, delicious um, first goal in particular on that game. But um, yeah, PSG losing, I think it was another four players on the night. Florenzi was just exhaustion, which um, I must admit, I chuckle at a little bit. I know players are playing a lot of games, but Christ am I. They wouldn't last five minutes in Sunday league, would they? Uh, But they also lost a couple of other players on the night as well, hobbling off. Um, I think we're still waiting for updates on those. Ah, uh, Navas played despite being sort of half fit, according to his manager. So yeah, trouble ahead for PSG. Um, Marquinhos, um, that, that, uh, that that sort of well-known defender actually played in defence in this one, which was a, a novel thing. Really? So that was a yeah, that that was a thing. Okay, so, where
1: did Danilo play?
0: He was rested um, oh. in this one. He he's another one who's been playing pretty much back-to-back games constant constantly. So uh, yeah, it was a bit of a mixed team for uh, Tuchel, but he lost uh, Tilo Kera and uh, Idrissa Gay limped off with what looked like muscular injuries um, in terms of there was no impact challenges. Uh, Moise Ken came off, uh, but that one looked to be more of a kind of a dead leg kind of situation. I, I think he'll be all right. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's a stretched, stretched team for, for PSG. And nice to see Rafinha in his tights again as well. That's always a always a good news. Can you see. hear
2: my violin playing in the background?
0: Yeah, I, I was I was sort of cute, you know I, w- I wanted to let it play out till the end. You know, everybody gets the the full effect. But uh, this is another game as well that non they um, had a couple of good cha- had a couple of good chances. Uh, non Ren, sorry, had a couple of good chances. I got non Laureon on the brain. Um, Ren had a, a couple of decent chances, but once again, just if you if you don't take your chances particularly away at PSG, you, you're gonna get you're gonna get uh, gonna get beat, and it's just it's just. One of those games where if they'd have got, I think if they'd have got the first goal, it might have been a more entertaining watch. But but yet again, despite having a week inside, I just, just never really felt like Wren like had too much going for them, unfortunately. So, yeah, lessons learned there or not, as the case may be. On uh, on Sunday, it was pretty much goals, goals, goals. We saw a breast somewhat surprisingly, maybe some would think, given the midweek uh-huh. events in Lille. Um, but 3-2 win over Lille. They were 3-0 up. Uh, Pierre Gabriel returning from injury, uh, Perro and Cardona, with uh, two goals back from Borak Yilmaz, who also hit the post in the last minute, would have been a quite the comeback. But um, yeah, good, good, uh, good result this for Brest. I think
1: you, you saw this from Phil, didn't you? Uh, yeah, and it was it was just kind of amusing because we've been talking about possibly how cross Galtier can get when things aren't going their way, and when they went in. When the third goal went in, you could just imagine what he was going to do. So it was good that Yilmaz's first was a penalty in injury time, first time, just to make things look a little bit better. But there were three half-time changes when he came out, which was, I think, very much telling certain people they had not had a good game up until that point. And then Yilmaz got you know, one, one, uh, another one back, but... I think he's probably going to be extremely cross because they did have chances. They had that chance later on, as you say. But um, yeah, really good uh, for for to just come out of the come out the gate, firing on all cylinders, and then got a little bit nervy uh, in the second half. But um, you know they're sitting fairly comfortably in thirteenth now as a as a result of that and. Unfortunately, that means Lille obviously are dropping further off the uh, race at the top, which we may come on to a bit later.
0: Yeah, yeah. Credit to Brest, I thought I thought they they played really well. The thing I like about their kind of style of play as well is they they don't they don't really have too much fear. They they kind of just play. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much a four four two in every game, and and they just go for it. Um, I think De Loglio has, has done a really good job there. So credit to them um and and it was it's kind of one of those games where you you looked at this and thought Lille away in Milan on a Thursday night and they're playing okay it wasn't Saturday but they're playing on a Sunday you do see it quite a lot that that sort of the Europa League hangover kind of thing um so yeah not not a great deal for uh, not a great day sorry for Gartier's men but terrific win for Brest that and and credit where credit is due
2: I love Gartier's quote though and again I think it's something we'll come back to later but he said I forbid anyone to hide behind the fact that we've got a lot of matches um you've got to be capable of sort of playing match after match otherwise there's no point in being in Europe or in a in a club in Europe and quite right too because as we sort of touched on last Thursday like every or Friday whenever it was everything is um the French clubs it's always sort of great, we got into Europe, so let's just sit back and be satisfied with ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's not good enough. And it's so good to hear a, a French coach or a coach of a French club kind of saying a similar thing. No excuses. If we're aspiring to be in Europe, then once we're there, we've got to be able to play both Europe and the league. Absolutely. And um, yeah, good to hear a sort of more positive or more kind of winning mentality from someone. Yeah, And I, I think it's probably... You wonder if, I think Galtier was banned from the bench and he was in the stands. You wonder if he'd been on the bench and a little bit closer to the players. Maybe they'd have done a little bit more, a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's that's also true. And like you say, you know, we've said I think we've said on this quite a few times, but if you get into Europe, yeah, you you want to embrace it, but you don't just sort of give up on the league or give up on Europe or focus on one or the other. You you focus on both the competitions. So fair play to them and and um, and also fair play to Perrett Yilmaz. what a signing he's been, despite uh, his his age and and profile. I wouldn't have wouldn't have called him being the standout between him and Jonathan David, who continues to struggle. But uh, nevertheless, we, um, we certainly didn't struggle for goals in, in Lons. Uh, what a game this turned out to be. And this is a classic one where I looked at once or twice and just decided not to, and I wish I had it now. Lons went in front early through Banza Safaro levelled up before Bule who's also having a really really good time and and good season, it's quite a story if you look at his history, Uh, they were two and up at that point Leo, or
2: or my interview Uh, with him
0: Oh, sorry, all, all your... Yeah, cheap plug, yeah. Uh, Rams, um, yes, you can look that up. I'm sure Jez will be able to retweet that. Uh, Rams were 2-1 up at that point before uh, Focke put through his own net, and I'm sure he said something along the lines of his name as the ball hit the net. Medina then equalised equally with a, a spectacular goal. for that was um, brilliant. Sorry, to put Rams in front. Uh, I beg your pardon, 3-2. Um, Bully Deer then made it 4-2. And then, and then it all just went nuts in the last minute. Satoka scored twice in a minute to level up for for Lons, and then was thought he'd scored the fifth before that was ruled out for uh, for VAR. So um, yeah, there
1: was a late penalty call and all sorts of. Yeah, oh that was hilarious because I was watching the multiplex, so there's four games going on at once, and obviously they um, do the kind of jingle and then go to wherever there has been a goal or an incident so we spent most of our time looking at lance versus Ras um but also neem versus angers which i'm sure we'll come on to later it was fairly chaotic in terms of i always at this point feel quite sorry for the vidi- video editor who's trying to put all of this together live because things were what just jumping about all over the place but no that was a fun game and I was kind of um okay with the late call being uh, wiped out because Lancer in 11th they got two games in hand yeah. which I think we need to remember so they are looking really very good so for Rouse to have you know pulled themselves together a bit having been at the bottom of the table and put together an eight goal thriller um
0: that was a really fun watch. So, yeah, it really was. And I say, with one of those games. It was just kind of just nuts at the end. Um, I don't think anyone saw it. It was kind of petering out almost before Sotoka did his thing. And uh, yeah, nevertheless, so it's one of those games as well where Lance will come out of it feeling like they've won, and uh, Rance will come out of it feeling like they've lost. And in reality, both have got a point. So, uh, honours even there wasn't honours even in in the Lorient Nantes game. Um, the police are on their way. This was an absolute robbery and uh, and it was a disgusting, disgusting thing to happen. No, it, I mean, Nantes basically just sat behind the ball for pretty much the entire 90 minutes and hoped for the best and the best duly arrived for them. Um, Lauren's defending wasn't the best, I have to say, but Bamba and, and Ludovic Blas with the, the two late goals in the last uh, last 10 minutes securing the win for Nantes. And uh, yeah, Lauren, it's... Watching them recently just seem to be struggling to find any rhythm right now. And, uh, and and the goals are drying up a little, which is a bit of a worry. So I think it will be a good bit of time for Policio to sit down during the international break and have a look at his options. Because a few players... I certainly could do with a bit more of a run. Um, I'm sort of looking at Le and and uh, Pierre-Yves I think they should probably get a few more minutes than they're getting at the moment. But we shall see. But fair play. Nantes came with a game plan and executed it well. Uh, Mets probably came with a game plan of winning, Jazz, but it didn't actually end up happening in the end. Uh, Dijon securing a point. Mamabel, they putting them in front of four. Yard, they equalised for Mets. Fair result, in your opinion, or a little bit uh, skewed?
2: No, it was fair. Um Mess weren't at their best. Dijon were actually really good. I think everyone would say it's the best they played this season. And um Mess started with only two in midfield and, and it really it it clearly had an effect. They didn't they, they completely lost the control that they've had most matches. But they too have a few injuries and they don't have yet another international to replace them each time. So um, you know, managed to keep up our seven-game unbeaten run, which isn't too bad. Um, both teams missed a penalty. Um, both teams hit a crap penalty, yeah. <laughs> which mm-hmm. both goalkeepers easily saved. To be fair, um, I think Messi could be slightly hard done by. That I think there was a blatant penalty that they should have had in the last minute. But then, just before that, Dijon had hit the post as well. So yeah, I think a thing draw is pretty fair. And it's a pity because Mess could have gone up to a sort of fifth or sixth, but they're still kind of keeping their unbeaten run going, which is which is positive.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And uh, as you say, the sort of tale of missed penalties in, in that particular game. There, and lots also-
2: of injuries. I don't know if I mentioned that Mess also have lots of injuries.
0: Again. You- you did mention. Yeah, yeah you, you 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 should mention that more often though, because people forget. Well, you thing.
2: know, it's an ex- other teams like to use it as an excuse. So. <laughs> <laughs> PSG fans, that's the
0: that's the noise of them all clicking off as we speak. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's fair fair point to say the injuries are certainly racking up. Um, more goals and injuries in the Nîmes Angers match as well. Um, Angers let rip. Even Jimmy Cabo scored. Little Jimmy Cabo.
1: They, oh, uh, they, won they I think this was um. they the Pereira goal was the earliest this season of mm. fifty seconds.
0: Yeah, yeah, inside the. Which first minute. I think
1: tells you a little bit about Nîmes' concentration in defence.
0: Yes, well, yeah, um, it, it, yeah. I'm less said about teams switching off in the first minute, the better for me this weekend. But yeah, agreed, and it was uh, the perfect platform for uh, for Milan's men. They they were up in as you say inside a minute. Bahoken, of course, uh, got a couple of goals himself. Lois Diony, remember him? Southampton fans, probably, probably not, but uh,
1: probably missing quite a lot right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, indeed. More on them in a moment, but uh, yeah, Diony scored from the penalty spot to make it four. Uh, Kone got a late consolation before Jimmy Cabo went, nope, I'm going to have a little bit myself and run up to the end and knocked in the fifth. So terrific win that for Angers.
2: In, <laughs> in Nîmes' slight defence, one of the goals is pretty controversial where it seemed like they all stopped because, uh, the, yeah, they all heard the linesman beep the referee, so they all stopped.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and it, and it is one of those, isn't it, where it's just like... <laughs> that you get that whole play to the whistle thing and it's like well, when you actually when we're in a situation where you can probably hear a lot of whistles at the moment it's kind of natural to do that I guess yeah. um, but then I guess it. I mean I guess they
2: to the were passage. wrong too and it wasn't offside even though at first look it really did look like it was yeah, um, yeah. the fact that Moulin I mean it's easy to be magnanimous when you've just won 5-1 but the fact that he said he'd have felt very hard done by if the football boot have been on the other
0: foot maybe says something but. yeah yeah like you say. I wonder if he if he just said the same at, at 1-1 but um, no I, I totally totally with you on on that one
1: so but, we did have a question about this actually from yes. um, Farmers Corner FC uh, <laughs> <on the broadcast, laughs> buzz, um, yeah. asking us are Angers this season's race can they make it to the top six at the end now I'm looking at this and thinking Angers have now got fifteen in the gold scored column. And five of those came came on Sunday. I don't think they've got it in them to to do it, because I think that was an abject performance from Neve, who are in serious trouble. So I think Angers are probably gonna be okay, but I can't see them pushing for the European places. They just they're a decent team. They're a solid outfit. They just don't have enough uh, oomph, I think, to get themselves up there. Yeah. What, do you, what what the others
2: think? Yeah, Jess, what do, you,
0: what, do you make? what do you make of them?
2: Yeah, the same. I think they're, they're the same as they are every year, very solid. A couple of, not special, but talented players who no doubt will go for, for a bit of money next summer, but I don't think they're... They're good enough to get into Europe. I think there's there's enough teams that are that are better than them.
0: Yeah, we're going to touch Which on
2: the perhaps, table I think had enough, had more of a spark about them last year, a little bit more solidity. I mean, as long as this Mars Triore is continuing to um, sort of score or set up as many goals as he's keeping out um, at the back, then they've got a fighting chance. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that they they've got enough quality there.
0: No, fair point. We're, we're going to touch on the table um, sort of in the second half of the pod. So uh, just to sort of have a look at where some of the clubs are and whether we expect things to be. The table's still shaking itself out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you, you just want clubs like that to remain in the division, I think, overall. Uh, and that that's always the first priority in anything other, above and beyond that. Otherwise, you end up in a, a bit of a situation, like you said, with, with Rams who were in Europe and then out of it before they even sort of started. So it's kind of a, a bit of a... Bit of a uh, Damping with faint praise I suppose you would say speaking of teams that are not going to be in Europe for very long if they continue playing the way they are leads us nicely onto Nice see what I did that um, the two kind of main games we focus on a little bit this weekend um, I'll come to you on this one Jess I think you saw a bit more of this one Nice one Monaco two two kind of things that jump to mind on this one one is that there's still some defensive issues to deal with, but I've been quietly quite impressed with what Kovac is doing at Monaco. He seems to be getting them into a bit of a, a style, and he and he seems to be he seems to be leaning on the younger players and giving them an opportunity. And I think the easy thing to do would probably be to like bring in the more experienced players when they were struggling, but he didn't, and he, he stuck with the younger players. It seems to be paying off. Uh, De Sassi and, and Diop with the, the goals in, in this game sort of shows to that. And then there's Nice. Uh, P- uh Pierre-Lys Lamelou got the, the goal back after a Manone era because Benjamin Lacombe has done his elbow and is out for a little while. So that wasn't a great debut for him. But other than that and a little bit of fight, once again, it's it's a poor performance from Nice who, you know again, in Europe are not great this week. So which sort of which which would you like to focus on which which kind of grips you more the 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 perils at Nice or the the
2: improvement of Monaco I mean I'll I'll go for a little bit of both I think really discussed before that like Monaco um they just sort of totally went off the rails after that title win um that they're sort of business model at the time was always going to be risky, kind of discover people, sell them, replace them with more kids. Um, There was always the chance that at some point it would go wrong, but they, you know, a mixture of Jardim suddenly not being interested at all in, in um, bringing through the next generations of of youth and um, sort of resting on his um, extremely expensive laurels. And, them sort of bringing in youth that were just too youthful and, you know, 16-year-olds who barely played. I think just everything went wrong there and there was no direction either. So um, I think the fact that now they've got a sporting director, they've got a coach who, okay, came off the back of a bad experience at Bayern but has also got a, um, you know, decent success behind him and certainly success playing decent football... Um, I think has just kind of refreshed everything in Monaco. And yeah, they've, they've ditched some of their older players who are sort of being paid very well to do very little. And there's just a lot more sort of dynamism there. And I think it's going to go, there'll be a few blowouts like the one at Lyon. But even then, I think Kovac sort of acted very well, kind of defending his players and, and saying that was all on him and he picked the wrong tactics. But generally, I think they're they're playing not necessarily playing well, but at least they're playing decent, exciting football. There's that nice balance of, of different ages within the team. There's some players like, you know, Diop, who scored what, what proved to be the winner, who, who um, you know, he's been there or thereabouts for a while, but has never really been given the chance. Um, we seeing some of these players come through. So it's just nice to see what they're doing there. And, and sort of, you know, I've always liked Monaco, as a club and a team, um, the last two or three years, I think everything they did was pretty distasteful. But it's nice to kind of be rooting for them again. And then as for Nice, I just more and more, I just feel like Vieira is just not a very good coach. I mean, the, the sort of the basics that you want from a coach, I think, is to kind of look at the players that, that he's got and think they're improving under him. He's getting the best out of them. He's eking stuff out of them that no one else has. And obviously that he's getting them to play as a team. And I don't think he's doing any of that. Everything they do seems to be sort of scraping a result through maybe a decent finish from Guerrieri or Dolberg. But there's not much else going on there anywhere. Um, Yes, he's been unlucky with Dante being ruled out for the season. But if you're relying on a... Lizzie, 36, 37-year-old defender to, to hold things together, then... And
1: score your goals.
2: And score, yeah, then you've got other problems there. And... I just yeah, I'm just not at all impressed with what he's doing, what he's done. And we said the last couple of years you can find mitigating circumstances, but I don't think he's got any now. I think he's got a good squad, a good team, some really good attacking players. Ren Adelaide is meant to be the the solution to the, you know, the the, the gap between midfield and attack, which actually I think they had anyway. Um, with the likes of Claude Maurice. they just He just, again, wasn't... And Lisa Malou as well. And I just think he just wasn't getting the best out of them. And I think it's the same again. I think, you know, there's no shame in losing to Leverkusen, but capitulating to them is not good enough. Losing to Slavia Prague so comfortably is not good enough. Um, and fine, you know, Monaco, it's a derby. Anything can happen. They've got a very good record recently against Monaco in the derby. But again i just there wasn't much there like you said their goal was just thanks to a, a big mistake i think monaco hit the woodwork three times um i yeah i just i think i said on friday it pains me to say it cuz i do like vieira and i was hoping that he he transitioned into a really good coach but i'm not seeing it at all no no,
0: i i tend to agree and and like we i think we said last friday's but it, i kind of i want him to do well I want it to be a success story because it feels like a good marriage, but the longer things go, like you said, the, the more time you look at it going, the more you sort of think, actually, there isn't really an excuse now. So, um, as you say, it's not a great situation to be in. Phil, we had a question, didn't we, surrounding Dante? Yeah, well, that, and that was
1: just about the um, the situation with Dante, which was, um, again, from our friend, hang on... Uh, the Farmers, F- Farmers Corner FC, um, talking about who will need sign to replace Dante. I presume they're talking about the the mid season window. Mm. But it, I think it is that Dante was. He wasn't just a centre back. He was scoring the goals and he was the captain. Yeah, if you take those all those things out of Nice, that is a bit of a triple blow, as it were, um, and yeah, it, it does seem like they are going to have to think about these things, but as Jess says, if they're not getting the best out of what they have at the moment, which is a good squad, then it's it's slightly worrying. I have to say, I was quite surprised to see they're still in eighth, yeah. thinking how. I think it's because their abject performances have come in Europe. Um, but, you know, how long will it take before that seeps over into the
2: league form? Yeah,
0: Maybe. and I wonder how much of it is to do with the league itself, rather than them being particularly good. It's almost like the league is... Uh, that they're, yeah, they're losing games, but they're not being punished. There's
1: all, all around them.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As for who they might sign, I mean, you know, you, you could list off a ton of, of people who potentially they could sign. So I think it's probably hard to name names, but uh,
1: the, They can somebody sign the centre-back, but I'm not sure they can sign another captain. No, say. no, that's,
0: that's very, Dante's very Conte has been a
1: really, really key figure for them for a while yeah.
0: now. Yeah, an organiser as well in, in terms of on and off the pitch. So, yeah, I feel like maybe a younger centre-back with, with some promise. You look at what Lille did with, with Botman, for example, but the flip side of that is you're not going to get the experience. And as you said, the leadership of done So it's probably one to keep an eye on for Nice uh, and indeed Vieira. I guess we will see what happens there. Um, moving on to our, our final game of the weekend, which was last night. At the time of recording, the, the derby between Lyon and St Etienne. And uh, I don't really know how I feel about this one, other than I feel like (laughs) Rudy Garcia is getting away with murder in broad daylight. Um, That's probably the most blunt I can put it. But Leon won by two goals to one. They came from behind. Uh, Anthony Lopez credited with the own goal. Um, It's a weird passage of play, made a spectacularly good save, followed by an awful piece of goalkeeping to concede the opener. Um, And uh, St. Etienne, I thought, merited the lead at, at that point. Before um, Kedawere, the young Zimbabwean, came off the bench to to rescue Leon, scoring twice. Um, some more pretty poor goalkeeping for the second goal. It was very clever footwork, and Saint Etienne even had time to miss a 92nd minute penalty. Stennis Buanga put it wide, um, and I, th- I feel like two two would have been fair. And it was weird because it, going into this game, you felt like there was only one winner, and you felt like it would be Leon comfortably. And on the night. I felt like St Etienne for long periods were the better side. Um, I presume you both saw this one, um, Phil. I'll, I'll go with you first of all. What was your overall thoughts on this on this particular derby, especially with no fans? Because that's the thing I really noticed yeah. about this one.
1: I I think because this is this is one of the games you watch normally, mainly. Well, usually there's only one set of fans anyway because the prefecture has stepped in and gone not on our watch. Um, so they don't normally come visiting fans. Um, as we saw a couple of years ago, who Was it, who had the bad guns uh, trainers on when they were playing at Saint-Etienne uh, because the fans couldn't get in there. So even now, bef- now even before the opening goal, I think three goals have been ruled out. So Dembele had two ruled out for offside and Abbey for... Santerienne had one ruled out for a push in the box. Yeah, all so
0: correct, it was
1: it was kind of setting up to be one of those games where you really want the fans to be there because you really want kind of fireworks and screaming and abusive chants and all of that business
0: that you don't want to see, yeah.
1: but we do want to see. <laughs> and then I mean, I think this is just Santerienne went ahead, but. They're still not scoring I mean it's still if that was a Lopez own goal yeah they're not scoring their own goals they've got what, six losses on the spin now they yeah. look dreadful so cadaari coming out and scoring twice in ten minutes good for him get everything kind of reset to what you're expecting but I think this was a uh, a derby where neither side of him Brilliant form, although Leon have done okay, but still not look massively convincing. No, and, kind of... uh, and the gap between them is 10 places now. Yeah, I can't tell The fans are going to be as annoyed as you know last year when everything very nearly went completely tits up. It looks like that's continuing, and that's concern, how do you stop it? it?
0: Yeah, that's the concern. It's is, is it going to continue? I think that's that's the, the, the major worry because they they don't appear to have, uh, again, we said about like with leadership a minute ago, um, it's a very young team. And whilst that's quite exciting, there isn't a lot in terms of leadership in it. And that's my kind of worry on that one. What did you make of it, Jess? What, what was your sort of thoughts overall? Because I just, I just feel like Leon are doing enough, but I'm not convinced.
2: I think there's... Worse teams than them in terms of doing enough at the moment. You That's talked fair. about Nice, even though they were done this week, and Marseille certainly. Mm. Um, I, I thought they started terribly. Um, I think they did enough in the second half to deserve not to lose. But I think you're, yeah, St Etienne were unlucky not to get the draw. Um, <laughs> again. I I think the last two or three weeks, I've been referring to Vincent Deluxe's editorials in in L'Equipe Non-Stop, but they are very good at the moment. And his one today was kind of all about, you know, who would be a coach. And, you know, Garcia has got everything at his disposal. Um, You know, he arguably did the right thing trying to keep Kakaray and Guimares and Dembele happy by bringing them back into the... Into the team, yet none of them, or certainly not Gimareš, and Dembele did enough to justify it. Um, you know, he he makes three sub three substitutions at once, and they all pay off. But then maybe they wouldn't have paid off if Bruhanga hadn't missed the penalty, and had he scored that, then there's no doubt that. Puel would have come off as the sort of heroic coach of the two. Yeah, he comes away with nothing, even though he deserves something. And, you know, there's only so much coaches can do once the players go out onto the pitch. And, yeah, I feel sorry for Puel because he's... What he's trying to do at Saint-Etienne, I think, is, a, is not such a bad thing. I think there were some very complacent, more experienced egos there that that probably they're right to to kind of try to get rid of and they're right to or they're certainly a sort of I don't know uh, you can you can see the the benefits and the positives in trying to make your your squad younger and show faith in the squad that that won the Coup Combardella a couple of years ago. The problem is that they are kids and everything's going to be on a knife edge, particularly confidence. And they too have had a couple of, of bad injuries as well. They don't have an absolutely reliable goal scorer. And these are the kind of matches where where all those things kind of go against you. And again, they they deserve to draw. And, you know, getting at least a draw from a derby away from home, coming from behind would have been a great fillet for them. But instead, they come away with their, their confidence a little bit more um, knocked and, and sort of kicked into the ground. So... I don't think they're going to get relegated but I worry for them and they need something to change quickly. But I do think there's a really talented bunch of kids there. I think, I think they'll probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, as for Lyon, they sort of showed the, the good and bad of Lyon. I mean, really nothing in the first half, no urgency, no, um, especially considering it was a Derby, they just didn't seem to care. Um, but then, yeah, they, they did, they made some changes. It did click. Um, I've I've been cynical about the the people that they're meant to be relying on to score goals, but Cadouera has looked good the last couple of weeks. Um, he he said on French TV yesterday morning that he dreamt that he was going to score uh, two goals in the derby.
0: Very specific two, was, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, I can't remember which Lyon fan it was who tweeted. Um, on behalf of all Lyon fans, I hope that Caduera has a dream tonight that Garcia gets the sack. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess he couldn't have have mentioned at the time, yeah. Yeah. It's really weird though, isn't it? Two goals, like normally you'd say, oh, a hat trick in the derby or something, but two goals, like it's a very, very specific thing. Yeah, not too greedy. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I think again, in a way, Awa sort of personifies a lot about Lyon at the moment. On paper, they should be very good, but they're not good enough. But actually, at least the last few weeks, they have found a little bit of form. Um, I was pleased to see Kakaray back in there because I don't think he deserved to find his way out of the team. And and although he wasn't fantastic, I think he did enough maybe to to remain in the team. Awa I know I've been going on about it a lot on, on social media. I actually, I was going to say I think he's a disgrace, that's a little bit strong, but I just, I don't understand all of the fuss. Yes, on his day, we know he can be good, but we also know that football isn't just about how good you can be on your very best day. And I just think more often than not, he's, he's a waste of space. And yesterday, again, you know, all the fuss a couple of weeks ago, this is my club, I'm so happy to still be here. This is the derby and you barely broke into a run. And again, when if you're such a great player that all these big European clubs are supposedly after you, although it's notable that only one made a half-hearted um, bid which involved getting rid of Granduzzi. So, I mean, you know, let's not read too much into how much Arsenal really wanted him, I think. Um, you know, if you're supposed to be that good, you should be raising your game for matches like this. You should be... St- you know, grabbing the rest of your team by the collar and pulling them up to your level. You shouldn't constantly be dropping down to their level. And frankly, I think arguably the turning point of the game and the best thing that happened to Leon last night was that our got injured and went off.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean that sort of speaks volumes, does it? I, I I was so. I mean, I you know my thoughts. I I really like him. I really like watching him as a player. But even I've out,
2: outgrown there. Leon, hasn't he?
0: don't start you don't (laughs) don't tease um no i i I just weirdly though it's funny that you should mention that because i i do almost feel a little bit like you know when players don't get the move that they probably thought they were going to get and then they stay and and they do just enough and and then they kind of move on anyway i wonder if that might be the case here we need a bigger sample size of course but i do wonder if that's slightly the case um but no i'm i'm kind of with you like i I just feel like I'm not sure left midfield is his best position. By the way, I should kind of caveat that slightly. And I'm not sure Gussie is getting the best out of him. I think um, the last
2: half hour was his best position.
0: Off, yeah. I mean, that would be fair. There was there was talk that he had a bit of a knock, but I wonder if it was one of those bit of a knock in inverted commas situations with him. Um, well, so Satetian's goal
2: came straight from yeah, him missing I that. You know, being put completely through one on one, crap shot, easy save. Yeah, it just was. Got nice the other end and score.
0: Yeah, that that w- and that was poor. Um that was really poor because I mean that situation as a, a quote unquote attacking midfielder, that's what you want that the they're the chances you've got to take away, isn't it? So um yeah, I, I did I just I did I did kind of uh, fall on your side of, of the of the um the argument on that one that I want more consistency from him. So yeah, not not great. There's also fresh reports overnight that uh, Barcelona will go back in for Memphis to play in January. Um, if he keeps playing the way he has done the last three weeks, I don't think that'll be a great miss. And, and don't get me wrong, I like Memphis, but he, he's not
2: interested, I don't think. I'm just. He's definitely not interested, but... He wasn't good last night, but to be fair, he has been decent the last couple of weeks. I think he's, he's putting in a shift. I agree, but I, he just looks like a player who I don't. Th- I don't think he's sulking. I
0: just think he's a player that that had his heart set on something and it didn't happen. And with Ansu Fati being out for they reckon three to four months, that's why Barca are going to look to go back in for him. So um, yeah, I, I just I just wonder. And and Leon's Leon sort of defensive side of things, they're going to need. These players like worry to step up now at this point because um, I, I don't think Toko Akambe is going to be a 20-goal a season striker
1: personally. But um, it's, yeah, nevertheless, it's it's a problem as Jess was just saying about you know the youth of the Southampton team. Of that starting eleven, the oldest players were 28, 29. They're and Kolajderak, and neither of them are leaders. I think that's one of the issues where some of the, in a sense, more veteran players of uh, Saint-Étienne are Roman Hamuma and Kevin Monipaque, who are a bit older, but neither of them feels like someone who can, you know, yell at a dressing room. Roman Hamuma always seems quite I see. tentative. Mm. Yeah, I don't, and so with the, the, the very young team that they're playing at the moment who is going to be the leader on the pitch yeah and possibly you know Dennis boranger is is twenty five he's possibly the veteran of the if the mm-hmm. attack and that's that's a big ask of him so it's uh, a bit of a iffy situation there of how they're going to pull this back and as you say with leon there's still stuff which is up in the air with people who thought they were going to move, wanted to move, etc. These are two really storied clubs of uh, of Gang who are just in a bit of a weird state at the moment. Mm, which I think funk. is obviously going to be interesting. For many of us, but is not going to be massively reassuring for their fans, and possibly in terms of you know Ligue 1 more generally, is it going to be a good thing for the league to have both of them in transition
2: or iffy situations at the same time? Yeah, I think in terms of in terms of and the fact that assuming that he was telling the truth, Puel made it clear that they absolutely needed to sell for funa financially. Yeah. And, and I wonder if the, the idea was not only to bring the youth through, but also to, in terms of the, you know, Ruffiers and, and Vila's and Budabuzi's and Kazri's, not only to sort of ship them out of the starting lineup, but probably try to get rid of their salaries as well. Yeah. And, it didn't really work because I think of them only and Vila's left. Um, so, they're, I, yeah, I just don't think they're in a good way off the pitch, which I think is affecting them on the pitch. Lyon, you know, as um, the, the commentary team on, on BT said yesterday, by rights, Lyon should be the only team able to challenge PSG or you know even come close to them on a consistent basis and they're just not doing that. And there again, I mean, they're different problems, but I do think they're, they're problems off the pitch. I think Geninho isn't good enough at his job. Garcia isn't good enough at his job. To, he's not helped probably by the fans either. But I just think, you know, after being so well-run for so long, I think it just shows how quickly things can change. You sort of look at Monaco, as we said earlier, at Lyon now. Maybe you could look at Rennes going in the other direction. Things can change very, very quickly. All it takes is sort of, you know, maybe one very good transfer, either coming in or out, or um, likewise a, a bad transfer in or out. Um, certainly a bad choice of coach. And, and things can go downhill very quickly. So I still think, you know, the, the setup that they've got there, they should be able to turn things around. But personally, I'm not sure they're going to do that as long as Juninho and Garcia are involved. Mm. And there was a shot at one point of Hullier, um in the stands, practically horizontal. I mean, I don't know what the fuck he's still doing at that club. I mean, I know <laughs> I everyone slags him off, but frankly, I think if... Alas came back to sort of being 100% on top of everything I think they'd be in a much better way
0: mm. yeah it, it does does strike me as a bit of a
2: bit of a weird set uh, out that one
0: um it's one of those classic sort of somebody who's around but you don't really know what they do kind of scenarios um, other than being sort of club legend etc and so on um but yeah nevertheless uh a win for uh, a win for Leon, when all was said and done, that uh, leads us with the following table, which will just uh, lead us into our last discussion today which is in and around the sort of the bottom and, and Jez has a point to make on that. Uh, PSG are indeed top no surprises there I think it's eight on the spin they've won now um, they are 24 points from their 10 games played which is five clear of Lille in second that defeat uh, certainly harmful for them this weekend. Wren also going down this weekend a further point back in third joint with Marseille who somehow are fourth uh, they're actually also unbeaten in five somehow. I just don't get it. Lyon are up to fifth with Monaco just outside the top six in sixth. And they play PSG in the games when we come back after the international break, which might be a good watch. Montpellier, Nice, Angers and uh, some team called Mets are in tenth. What's that about? Unbeaten in five as well. Uh sure. Sorry, so, yes, you're absolutely right. Sorry, there's another, another two games here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to get that right. Uh, Lons and uh, Bordeaux, uh, 11th and 12th. How Bordeaux is still 12th is beyond me. Uh, Brest, Nantes Saint Etienne on their horrible run, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, with Rams and Lorient just about outside that relegation playoff spot, which is currently occupied by Nîmes and uh, Strasbourg, who are not having the greatest time of it, are 19th with Dijon. Still bottom, although a slight turnaround in their form of three draws out of the last four.
1: And I, I say again, Lancer 11th with two games, two games in, in hand. Hands.
0: Yeah, so win both which of those. But you're which...
1: against Nantes and Marseille, so you'd expect they'll take one of those at least four point maybe four points from a possible six there i i'd say so so we've got four teams on 17 points at the moment from lyon down to to nice it's 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 a bad time to have an international break i want this i want to keep i want lyon to keep going (laughs) I, i think it's interesting right now i want it to keep going
0: yeah, oh. same. So, I mean I don't want international football to be happening full stop at the moment, personally, but that's a, a rant for another day. But well, um well, yeah. I mean it
1: does seem politically to be an utterly stupid idea, but yeah. Just mathematically
0: Yeah. It? Yeah, I think I think we'd all like to see it, it continue to go and I say that PSG uh monaco game looks quite spicy for when we come back. But um Jez, you put out a tweet earlier on today which we just wanted to mention uh, as sort of a a topic of debate particularly around the bottom clubs um just explain to our listeners what you what you had to say and and your kind of thoughts around that um what did i say (laughs) if you don't know i can read it for you if you like
2: (laughs) uh no sorry. right (laughs) um I put this weekend highlighted the strange contradiction of Li Ga, in my opinion. Lower down the table, there are talented coaches and players playing decent football within their very limited means. It's around the top of the table that there is lack of ambition and unimaginative football. I'm just kind of, I'm, I should probably preempt it by saying I'm obviously reaching because I want to defend Li but it's Relatively difficult when you look at the top of the table and you look at obviously the recent European results to do that, and we've got all the usual reasons that it's not a footballing nation and they don't have the same money as the Premier League and they're raped and not raped, they're pillaged every year by you know even the Championship now by Bundesliga before they're old enough to vote, etc. etc. But And a lot of that is, frankly, down to, I think, poor running of a business, poor running of organisations. But you just look at the top. I mean, PSG, as you said, eight wins on the bounce. And I know I'm sort of teasing about the internationals, but they do have a lot of injuries and yet they're still walking away with it. Lille and Wren are the only ones at the top that deserve any kind of credit. But then, even then, you know, Wren, yes, you, you said they they played decently enough the other day, and you know, the PSG's opening goal came from a big Wren mistake, and then they're they're sort of fighting a losing battle. But for the number one team to beat the team that are still in third place so comfortably, despite having the heart ripped out of the team through injuries, is kind of depressing in terms of competitiveness. Marseille, if they win their game in hand, will be second. This Marseille will be second. I know that Marseille fans think I've got something against them, but this team is awful. And again, OK, they won. It was a great goal. But one shot on target against this Strasbourg team, it's not good enough. Lyon, we know about their problems. They have had an upturn in form, but they're not great shakes. Monaco are clearly in transition. Montpellier doing fine, I think. Nice, we've discussed them. A lot of these teams are just not good enough. And that's why I think what Galtier said was such a breath of fresh air because it seems such an un-French-teams-at-the-top mentality at the moment to be talking just to be talking in terms of winning mentality of hmm. if, you know we won the other day so if we don't win three days later it doesn't matter that that's not good yeah, the enough.
1: whole Villas Boas, you know we're shit in Europe thing
2: <laughs> it's um, refreshing
1: I mean... but it's also
0: sort of symptomatic of like you say it doesn't it doesn't look great does it like you can't I know well, he would say a big club come out and say
2: that, but do you I, know mean, I mean his his Wish in Europe thing was at least had the merit of being quite funny. Mm-hmm. But he had another run after the Strasbourg match where someone, you know, quite rightly said to him something like, you know, do you think this is good enough? Why are you playing so defensively? Whatever. And he had a real temper tantrum. Yeah. And frankly, again, they're Marseille. Yes, they have some financial problems, but they're still Marseille, and they're still not Strasbourg. And for them to be playing that badly, yes, they got the win, but for them to be that bad is shocking. And again, for them to be with in with a chance of second place is really depressing. Um, so to go to the other part of what I said, I don't think the rest of the league gets enough credit because I do think there's still a big gap. And... Like I said, this, a lot of this is not just about the players or even the coaches and the negative mentality. I just don't think a lot of these clubs are run well enough, and not just the clubs, but the league. And for the, yes, no one foresaw coronavirus, but for them to be in this kind of financial trouble and being sort of um, you know held over a barrel by their new shiny. Um, TV rights providers is embarrassing and shows that something somewhere has gone very, very wrong in terms of whatever deal was agreed. So they're all fighting losing battles, yet at the bottom or in the bottom half of the table, you know, even Dijon, like I said, they they went for it on on Sunday. Nîmes have not had a good start, but for two or three years now have gone out to play entertaining football. Lorient, under Pellicier played really well last year. Like you said, this year, they're not scoring the goals, but they're still um, going for it. They're still trying to play attractive football. RAS, we've seen, you know, last year was a little bit more defensive-minded, but they've got players like your Cafaro's and your Diaz and your um, Zelini who are good footballers who try to play football the right way. Um, Brest, a great win, which I think put them puts them back in a position where they should be. I don't think they were, you know, wherever they were before, sort of bottom three or four, I don't think reflected the, the great way they play. You look at some of the goals they've scored this season, fantastic team goals. This weekend again, you know, they're fullback scoring a goalie, showing that the whole team is invested in, in playing good attacking football. And I just I'm not saying these teams don't get enough attention. I mean it's reasonable to say that if you're still languishing in the bottom half of the table, you're still doing other things wrong, and so you don't deserve too much credit. I don't know if that's true or not. But I also don't think it's fair for all the League and naysayers to purely focus on the fact that the big teams aren't doing enough and say, therefore, it's a shit league or therefore, it's a very negative league. I, you know, I do think there's a lot of teams there, that, a lot of coaches, a lot of players who are trying to do the right thing. You know, take breast again, lost their best player, probably, right at the end of the transfer window, again, to a sort of middling Premier League club. So now they're trying to rebuild their season without their midfield linchpin there anymore all the you know Dijon lost their goalkeeper lost last day of the window there's not only are they struggling without any means they're all they're also struggling more than the teams at the top um, in terms of losing their most important players every single summer in some cases January as well you know Dia only just stayed at, at RAS, but they lost De Sazi, so they've got to adjust to losing probably their or their you know half of their crucial centre-back pairing of last year. Dia, they reckon, may still go in January if they got a good deal for him. So they're, they're, they're having to contend with a lot more than the teams at the top. And yet they're still doing everything, I think, with the right spirit. And I just think that rather than only focus on how disappointing the likes of... Marseille and Nice and Lyon and even PSG are I think we should also celebrate what some of the clubs lower lower down the table are doing
0: yeah yeah I I completely agree with you have you got any any sort of thoughts on that on that one Phil in terms of teams? no here here
1: I think because um my kind of background is looking at you know stats and finances and stuff and What we saw up until a couple of years ago was that you'd have very good players in the yard who were massively undervalued. And they were you had great players moving for two million within France, and the premiership would pick them up for six, and that would be brilliant. But what we saw, I think, uh talking about Orlas and whether he's gonna get fully back on top of things at Lyon, is I think he was the person most of all who helped to get the pricing of Ligue 1 players vaguely equivalent to um, a premiership transfer market. But these teams are still cheaper. And that's why you see guys at the bottom of the league on table and possibly the top of the league dirt table um, getting picked off and that is as jess says a massive problem that you then have to shift an entire team around to deal with that you have to take the money in many cases because of the way the dncg
2: works over here but mm-hmm. it's um just, sorry just to very quickly interrupt saint for all their problems again they had to sell Fafana, who was yeah. absolutely crucial to them
1: yeah
2: yeah I mean a couple of years ago Leon had to sell
1: oh, I don't know who it was on the basically the last day of the season because as a PLC otherwise they weren't going to actually hit their audit you know that's that's another pressure, and that's something that if you're the manager of that club, you have to be aware of, that the players that you are thinking of as key in your system could disappear tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that is something that Tuchel, for all of the um, messing around and Marquinhos in midfield and Danilo in defence shits, does not have to deal with, mm. and I think that means there is, you look at the, uh, you know, the overall budgets, you look at the Deloitte, uh, you know, uh, review, uh, research on um, football teams each year and what their budgets are, the vast majority of the premiership teams are in that top 50, and you've got like four French teams. It's, it is problematic. And when you look at the other issues, as, as just mentioned as well, the the TV deal in France is an absolute shit show at the moment. I'm out 200 quid, but <clears throat> that's a minor point, but I'm still pissed off about it. But the whole thing appears to be less well organized and it's way down the level of, actual capital involved and that is an issue and you've seen the rumors about this new european super league where only one french team is being considered and like if that happens that is going to further uh, polarize the situation yeah. It's a worrying itself, isn't it? Something that is extremely worrying. We've got a really good league, as we've said many times in the past, if you ignore who's in who's in the top spot, it's a really good league. It's a really good competitive league. But that's the problem, that top spot is it. And um that's what's going to be the the focus. I almost feel like yeah.
0: Sorry, I always feel like it's a bit like the like the championship, isn't it? Like whether it's, you know, it's sort of, it's a really entertaining and fun league if you actually take the time to watch it. And I feel like a lot of people from the outside who look at Liga just go with the stereotypes. They just go with the things that they hear and read and see. And, and you get those people, you come back to the whole sort of Farmers League comments and stuff. A lot of those comments actually come from people who A, have never ever watched you know standing around or or uh you know even an leal or a ren or a you know a Mets in, in jersey's case like a lot of people who throw that accusation around have never actually sat and watched those teams would have no idea about how they play um and 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 often just throw the comment out there there's no real basis behind it there's no actual knowledge behind making a comment like that it's just the sort of well, everyone else says it, so I'll say it, type of thing. Yeah. Um. And, and that comes from should, highly. I should stress terms.
1: that our questioner this week, Farmers Corner FC, they are definitely taking the piss with. Oh, that. it's very tender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. know their stuff and um, are covering uh, French yeah. football in Australia, Almost, uh, apart from everything else. Um, and really, yes, indeed, in that. and. Yeah. I think it's really good that you can look a bit further down the table and see interesting things. Yeah. And as Jess says, good football. I still love watching Raz play. You know, I like also watching Neen play because, you know, if you're going to see a fight, you're going to see a fight.
2: Um, Can I just say Neem a third in the fair play table.
1: I know you keep saying this, but Because you I keep still talking about
2: fights and there's no I basis for
1: don't it. really, I, No, it's phys- it's physical football. That's that's the, the thing I'm talking about. It's robust.
0: Don't make me come in here with a with a with a um I mean come on a I support
1: I support a team who's had four players sent off and Kind of the five. last five matches all in the <laughs> yeah. first half and we remember how that happened a couple of years ago and just nobody was available ever um but no i do like that uh th- no they've got vim that's what i like anyway so yeah all, it's, a, f- it's a thing
0: I'm all for like, like we said at the very start of this this show. We talked about like, the games we watched and stuff. I love to just pick out those games where you, you know where you've got two sides that you may not know too much about. I mean, you know, we all sit here and talk about th- th- this league every week. You know, I'll completely hold my hands up. There's clubs I've never watched, um, not in the top flight. I should stress at the moment, but there's there's clubs that I watch very rarely, and then there's other other teams that I. I watch regularly and often wish I hadn't <clears throat> must say, but um, you know, it, it's one of those that every time you tune in, you learn something different. And, and I think that the whole, whoever came up with the slogan of the league of talents, you know, deserves a pay rise. Cause I think that was a, a very good, clever bit of marketing because there is so much talent. And and I think it's often present at the quote unquote, lesser clubs than it is at the the higher end clubs. Um, and, and that's, that's where you're, you know, if you, if you are a fan of a sort of lower end um, Bundesliga or, or Spanish uh, or English club, you're probably going to be thinking, well, actually, I could do with educating myself here because this is probably where my club's going to be doing its shopping in a few years' time. And that's the only downside is that all these players do leave so soon. But someone like Fafana that you mentioned there, Jez... You know he's been absolutely brilliant for Leicester since he signed. Absolutely brilliant, and but of course, you know, being in the English uh, journalism world, the minute you put any praise on Fafana, you then get the other journalists to go, well, you know, this is the player Saliba should have been. Uh, you know, so you, you can't just have nice things and say how well they're doing. There's always got to be a narrative to how another I'm player. Looking wasn't...
2: forward to soon. The narrative will change to how Leicester discovered this player.
0: Oh, well, that's already out. That's that's already <sighs> very. That's already very, very well out over here. Um, in terms of depending where you read, it's very much the the Leicester scouting system develop. You know, finding this young player who, who you know hadn't played anywhere, and oh, it's so it's so lazy. Um, there was a lot with um, Ait Nuri Aww. as well the other night with the Leicester game, but uh, the Wolves game. Sorry, you know, this is a guy who barely played for Angers and is walked straight into Wolves' first team. And okay, yes, he did give away a penalty, but he looks fairly at home. So. You know the talent is there, um, but the talent is not there at the moment because it's off on international duty. And just before we wrap up this week's pod, we should just have a look ahead to the uh, the, the 14 games in three hours that France are going to play in the, in the next week. I jest a little, of course, but three games in six days is a joke, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Finland is the first friendly, which is the 11th, uh, so that's two days' time, isn't it? Wednesday, yes, Wednesday. Um, And then Portugal and Sweden, the back-to-back Nations League games. Um, I I stopped short of saying the big games because, you know, Nations League and who cares. But um, no, I shouldn't say that. But you know what I mean. It's probably the lesser of the competitions, but it's the
1: the sort of bigger of the fixtures. Are are France top four? I
2: completely
1: lost track of where
2: we are. Yeah, In
0: Portugal at top gold. Portugal, yeah, Portugal at right. top. Um, they're four goals. Okay, so Saturday
1: we, we need to pay attention.
0: Yeah, um, Sweden. Sweden have had a, a wretched time there. They're bottom of the group oh, on I 0 points. To. So yeah, you'd, you'd expect and and Croatia. I mean, it's fair to say France and Portugal are probably going to be. It's a shootout essentially as to who goes through, but. Um, yeah, France could do with winning that game uh, or at the very least, well no, they have to win really, it's got
1: a I think we've got a couple of under 21 Euro qualifiers coming up one of which it says here Liechtenstein, so I'm guessing
2: Switzerland's the big one that will and Switzerland
1: you. is on Monday, isn't
2: it? So that's the that decides who to tops the group, although I think a certain number of second places get through as well
1: Yeah, but we all know what happens when
0: they go through there, don't we? So, yeah, the group um, part of the group, the group uh, that, as you say, the Liechtenstein game is the twelfth, and yeah, the under twenty, the Switzerland under twenty-one game is the sixteenth. So again, two in slightly so they further part.
1: Monday for those of
0: us who don't care for numbers, <laughs> don't care for dates. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that group table. Let me have a look. Um, yes, yeah, group two of the table. Switzerland are top with twenty-four points, plus nineteen goal difference. France Aww. are second plus 15 goal difference of 21 points. So yeah, if, if France win that one, um, they would need to also score four goals, but uh, they could draw a level on points yeah. with Switzerland. So. Are the
1: women playing over the next week or did they do that last time?
0: Oh, that's your that's your, uh, that's your, your neck of the woods, although I am just trying to find the no, fixtures. No, I think
1: they, their international breaks are different. So I think we've just had that. There's there's no there's nothing that I can
0: see here that I'm oh, aware as well of. As long
1: as basically no other fights break out in the camp and nobody decks, kind I aqua, we should be alright. You and your fights, goodness me. <laughs> let's
0: let's hope not. But um, yeah, we we will so cover we will Saturday cover today.
1: Is the big the big one? Go on. Portugal, France.
0: Oh yes, sorry, sorry. The, the we'll, yeah. So that, that we'll is to the men. Yeah, that is that is the, the the game that if there is one for you to watch, that's probably the one. I don't think we'll learn a lot about uh, much in the Finland game, other than you, you probably expect to see a few of the fringe players get game time. Uh, since we last recorded, Awa uh, has come in for Fakir. I don't think there's any other. He's pulled oh, out. Oh, he's pulled out. Pulled oh, of course, out. yeah, of course, he would have been pulled out because of the injury last night, didn't he? So, yeah. not know coming? France will survive in that. <laughs> I set you up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> who's uh, who's his replacement? Do we know yet? Or He's not being not, replaced. They're not replacing it. Okay, so everything else is as you were. No other withdrawals that we're aware of at this stage. You probably see uh, a little bit of a um a, a little bit of a, a rotational side. You'd think for the friendlies, and then the big guns coming out. Uh, I'm assuming Mbappe will likely be fit for that Portugal game as well, having been uh, out for PSG recently. So that will three uh, that players will have pulled
2: out of the onto 21 squad today. And they reckon for fun I might, I knew I, I, he is one of them, and for fun I might pull out as well.
0: Is that again injury related? Nothing COVID related, I'm assuming.
2: Um, Inverted commas?
0: Yeah. Or is yeah. it the classic case of uh, Premier League manager doesn't want to, uh, although see Italy if you want to see a story about what's going on with COVID cases, that's quite an interesting. Um, Interesting thing to look at, particularly Lazio and what they're doing over there. But uh, yeah, um, as far as we know, that that might that could they, those those potential players could miss the, that game. Um, but yeah, I guess we will see in terms of of who plays and what results we get. But we will cover those on next week's show.
2: Oh, as... Breaking news: I don't know if he's replacing someone, but Monaco's Ruben Aguilar has just been called into the France squad.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh probably um, probably probably deserved i'd say based on recent form but a bit of a surprise so yeah okay so he's coming in but as you say we don't know if anybody's dropped out yet so i guess we will see uh but yeah we'll cover that on next week's show Um hopefully you have enjoyed this week's uh pod as we say we're, we're going to sort of try and aim for sort of early parts of the week um, moving forwards assuming our schedules all aligned so if you've got any questions or anything you want to bring up with us please do drop us a line uh, don't tweet me because i don't have a twitter account still but tweet the pod and uh, or jez and phil directly and we'll try and get any questions answered um but until then good luck to the france squad and if you get bored uh, just go on the, the France uh, official Instagram page and have a look at all the fancy outfits that everyone arrives at uh, at the training <laughs> ground with and then have a look at N'Golo Kante. Honestly, you'd think he was just out for a Sunday roast down the pub. Uh, just standard jeans oh, and, a, and a tracksuit hoodie. I love it. He's just so he's so understated. But yeah, fashion corner to come. Uh, right, that'll do it for this week then. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you very much, Jess. Thank Thank you. you. And uh, we'll be back with you next week to review the Blue's latest action. Until then, try your best to enjoy international football when it probably shouldn't be happening round over. We'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>